On this episode, I don't talk to a Lutheran. This time, I talk to a Presbyterian pastor about the best way to grow mainline Protestant churches by focusing on the youth. This is Church and Maine. Hello and welcome to Church in Maine, the podcast at the intersection of faith and modern life. I'm Dennis Sanders, your host. Church in Maine is a podcast that looks for God in the midst of issues affecting the church and the larger society. You can learn more about the podcast, listen to past episodes, and donate by checking us out at churchinmaine.org or churchandmaine.substack.com. Considering, consider subscribing to the podcast on, on your favorite app and leave a review that helps others find the podcast. So this past summer, as I've probably shared before, I attended the General Assembly of the Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, uh, which is my denomination. And they had uh, their um, semi, I think it's semi-annual meeting uh, in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, it's always a great time to catch up with other members of the church from across North America, United States and Canada. And I remember chatting with two pastors. They're both from my home state of Michigan. And so I just kind of wanted to know what, how things are going with disciples in, um, back home. And the outlook wasn't that great. I heard a lot of stories of churches that were struggling and churches that were closing. And that made me think about uh, what ministry has been like here for disciples in Minnesota, which has seen a number of churches close, especially in the last decade or so. And sadly, this isn't a this is a picture that has been repeated again and again within a lot of the mainline Protestant denominations as churches shrink and close. And this is probably also a, a situation in evangelical churches as well. The interesting thing is that. Many of the church planting movements, especially um, that may have been very strong in the 80s and maybe the 90s in many of these denominations, are either kind of anemic or they're non-existent. Now, Paul Moore is a Presbyterian pastor in uh, of a congregation in suburban Blaine, Minnesota, and he recently preached at his home congregation. Uh, which is a Presbyterian Church USA congregation in southwestern Minnesota. Um, the congregation basically recently sold their large building to a Pentecostal congregation, and that congregation is going to swap uh, their smaller building with the Presbyterian Church. Paul notes um, that in a blog post that the sanctuary used to be filled with hundreds of people. Um and when he preached there this past fall, there were less than 50 in attendance. Writing in his blog, he notes that what's happening to his home congregation um, is taking place throughout the Presbyterian Church USA. In 2022, the Presbyterian Church USA had 
747 fewer congregations and about 340,000 fewer members than in 2016. No business would tolerate that without making significant changes, he wrote in his November blog post. But he also observes that while a business wouldn't tolerate these losses, there isn't much movement in the denomination to change things. He continues, though these statistics are shared every year, I'm almost astonished that these statistics haven't been a clarion call to focus more on church growth as a denomination. So, in this episode, I talked to Paul about why there hasn't been a call towards church growth, and also how he and his congregation are responding to the changes that are taking place in his his denomination. Paul Moore has been the pastor of Chain of Lakes Presbyterian Church in Blaine, Minnesota, which is a church plant uh, since 2009. And before that, he was pastor of Community Presbyterian Church in Plainview, Minnesota, that's in southeastern Minnesota, for 16 years. He has a BA from Carleton College in Northfield, Minnesota, and his Master's of Divinity from Union Seminary in New York. This is the second time, actually, he's been on the podcast, and I'll put a link uh, to his past interview in the show notes where we actually do talk about church planting. But for now, let's listen to this episode, this new episode with Paul Moore. Good to have you back on the podcast. It's um, good to be here. Now, when was the last time I was here? I don't remember. <laughs> um, it was maybe spring of 2022. Oh, okay. That's not too Some, long ago. Yeah, somehow to me seems like it's like <laughs> a decade ago or something. But yeah, it, it was I think it was around spring of 2022. We, right. we um talked a little bit about church planning about that one. So okay. Nice. Yeah. I'll have to go back and look. Okay. I'm sure. Yeah, I'll I'll go back and look on your podcast. But yeah. So the reason I had you on is because you wrote an um two blog posts on your blog that yes. even you said got a lot of traffic um on and kind of recounting about church growth um in in mainline Protestantism, but especially of course in, in your denomination, the Presbyterian Church USA. Um, I think the first thing I wanted to talk to you about is you kind of focused it on an event that you took part in, and that was preaching at your home church in Worthington, Minnesota. Yeah. Um, so can you kind of explain a little bit about oh, your home I, church? I, I, absolutely, I can. Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up in Worthington, Minnesota, and I went to church at Westminster Presbyterian Church. Uh, that's where, that's the church I knew as a child, as a youth. As a young adult, I was ordained in that church. Uh, I um, officiated my sister's wedding in that church. Uh, my sister was ordained in that church. 
So this church has is a very important part of my life um, and my faith life. My parents are still alive and they still go to that. They still attend the church. In fact, my dad's on the session um, right now. So uh, Westminster celebrated their 150th anniversary this year. And I wasn't able to go to the celebration as we had a big event that Sun that weekend at the church that I serve, Channel Lakes Church. But I told their pastor um, that uh, Galen, Pastor Galen, that I would be willing to come and preach on a Sunday, and I and uh, which I did. Uh, it was uh, I don't have my I don't have my dates exactly in front of me, but it's I don't know, but within the last month. So at any rate, um, Westminster's gone through a big transition. Um, they just recently sold their building to a Pentecostal church in town. And basically they exchanged buildings hmm. and Westminster though is going to receive, I mean, the, the, <laughs> the building that they're selling is, is much larger than the building where they're going. Mm -hmm. um, so that they're going to get some money um, behind that. Um, but, and I knew everything that I experienced at Westminster that day that I preached was not a surprise uh, as you know, I talk to my parents all the time and, uh, you know, we're, I'm a definitely a church nerd and I, I don't know, my parents are, but we talk about that church uh, frequently. So, you know, when, so it's a church that's gone through significant decline mm -hmm. and it's very hard, you know, and I just want to say, as I talk about decline and as I talk about growth, um, you know, I really share it from a sense of sadness more than a sense of anger mm -hmm. or frustration i mean i do have some frustration um and i know that i'm not really trying to poke the bear if you would uh that's not really what i'm about or what my ministry is about um but i think we also have to look at reality um and so i'm not trying to push anybody's buttons and so westminster's gone through significant decline and when my parents moved to worthington in 1963 and that building was built i don't know probably in the late 50s mm -hmm. and it's a sanctuary of 650 people hmm. in a town of 10,000. and when my parents moved there my dad this is all from my dad he said you know it was full every sunday in fact they were setting up chairs <laughs> wow uh at this church and this is a very large building it's probably the largest presbyterian church building that i know of to, to tell you it might even be bigger than like a westminster just the building mm -hmm. so um it's a very large building and they probably but at the time it was full and so i just um so then going back to my home church and preaching on sunday you know there's probably 50 people there um no children maybe one child uh and a congregation moving and and again i have to say i'm i'm in full support of what they're doing with the building and and downsizing and of course churches are not about buildings but i just had this very very great sense of sadness about what's happened to this faith community that's very important to me Mm -hmm. And very important in my own, it was very important in my own spiritual life and the spiritual life of my family. Some of our, like I'm, 
like I said, some of the most significant events of my faith life have occurred in that sanctuary. Uh, so I, so that's what led me to write that blog on the ch- on my home church. One of the things that I find always interesting um, about Presbyterians is you all are great record keepers. I mean, right? The whole indecent and in order really. <laughs> You live it out. And so one of the things that's always fascinating on the website, if you go there, is there are statistics. And um, in your blog post, you actually cite that. And um, that in in some ways, you can kind of map the decline of the denomination, um, but you could even map the decline of individual congregations um, in looking at that. And I think one of the things that didn't, anger you but it it, i think puzzled you it seems is that there wasn't as much consternation or or maybe this disturbance about the fact that there is this decline yeah so what what concerns me about that is it just feels to me and again i'm not really trying to poke anybody or um poke the bear if there is a bear um, but I, I just think that we as Presbyterians have come to accept that as our reality. Mm. Um, and there doesn't seem to be this, this impetus to change it. Um, and that's what is frustrating. Now, if we were a business, no, nobody would accept this. Mm. It was, which, uh, because, you know, and I'm not calling for this, but I mean, you know the 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 CEO and the board did get fired immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but we, I think, as Presbyterians, have come to accept our decline, and um, you know, we might make fun of it or make jokes or, uh, and I mean, it's a big, it's a very big thing to reverse the decline. But I'm, and. You know, I certainly I'd love to be a voice for growth in the Presbyterian PCUSA. Um, you know, my focus is on Chain of Lakes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where we're trying to grow. Oh, and we are growing. Um, but that's yeah, yeah, we are I, yeah, I mean it 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 just doesn't seem to resonate this 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 kind of clarion call for we need to we we need to grow why do you think that that is because it's not just a presbyterian thing i i see that in my own denomination and i see that across yeah. many other especially mainline protestant denominations why do you think i think that, that um is? well many people who are much smarter than me have written a lot more about this mm-hmm. so i just i just share my perspectives as a as a frontline pastor and um, and I want to say everything I do with a sense of humility, but I, I think we've just come to accept it, that this is our reality. So why do we accept that? Because I don't think we really know what to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that we've kind of accepted the secularism, the secular, I mean, I'm, I'm not find, finding the right word, but how our culture is moving to a more secular society, even though there are many churches who are growing. And there are many denominations, I don't know many, but there are people who, denominations who are growing. And I just don't think we know what to do 
because it's really hard work. Um, so I don't know. I don't have a great, I don't know why we accept it, but mm. I just think that we have. And, um, I don't I, <laughs> I mean, I can speak on my church. You know, if, if that happened yeah, to my yeah. church first, first of all, I'd get fired. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, maybe I can hang on to my job, but I highly doubt it. Um, so, you know, we haven't had fantastic growth at Chain of Lakes. I mean, we average, you know, we started from scratch 14 years ago. We average, you know, 65 to 70. Um, but on a Sunday, but if you came here, you would, ex- and again, I say this without humility, you know, there's no pride. <laughs> um, but if you came here, you would experience a great sense of vibrancy and energy and um, a lot and a lot of ministry and people's lives are being touched. Um, and it's, it's really exciting. And I think that we're at Channel Lakes, actually, we're on the precipice for some significant growth. I think we're going to. Um, and I'm really excited about that. Uh, so anyway, I feel like I'm kind of ranting or, or, or drifting, but, uh, <laughs> no, no. but I think, you know, the other side of that is the concept of church growth and you even shared this seems to also be something that people are, are wary of. Why do you think yeah. that is? I think it's because a couple of things. So our denomination is is more on the left side, mm-hmm. and we and so we those folks who are on the left um, don't really think that church growth is all that important, and you know they certainly don't worry about people's. Well, I'm projecting, but it doesn't seem that there's a great sense of concern about like somebody's salvation, and we don't want to be like a Billy Graham type of place um where you know you have to accept jesus as your lord and savior immediately and you know convert or you're going to go to hell um so i think that those are a a number of reasons that i think that we haven't done a great job at growing and i've just kind of come to accept it Hmm. so one of the things in 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 your second blog post that you talked about was about growing young yeah and you kind of had this interesting proposal that in some ways you're kind of living out at um chain of lakes yeah to focus on youth and family Um, yes and you even noted that you know earlier when you talked about westminster and worthington that there weren't any kids there Um, right what is so special about focusing on youth and family and how is that the key to growth? Because that's where a lot of vibrancy has to come mm-hmm. um, because we're a congregation, we're a denomination that's old and elderly. And, you know, and people have been talking about this for a long time. And there are a lot of people who are doing really good work on youth and children's ministry. So again, I'm not trying to poke the bear, um, but I, we have to get young. I mean, it's just, it's all, I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. Um, we have to do that. And I think part of the frustration is we've had a, a, a significant focus within our wider denomination on Matthew 25, um, kind of a social justice movement. And I think that's wonderful um, to focus on social justice ministries. And we've done that at Chain of Lakes a lot. In fact, we're known for that in the wider community. Um, and I was just, throwing out 
because I'm a, you know, one of my gifts, I don't know if it's a spiritual gift, but one of my gifts is kind of vision and, and dream and dreaming about the future. So what if we intentionally try to get young mm -hmm. um, and try to really focus for five years on getting young, um, relating to youth, relating to children and growing in that ministry, relating to families. Um, now that's not going to work everywhere. I get that, but, um, and you know, I think, you know, if if you accept the fact that there's a lot of people who aren't going to church, even in places that aren't growing, there are many young people who aren't going to church. Um, and so I think that um, and I think it's very hard. I, I don't think it's easy. Like the church that I served before um, in Plainview, Minnesota, when I came there, we had like five. We had hardly any kids um, when I first came there. And when I left, we had, I think, 30 to 40. Hmm. Um uh, so, you know, I know that it can be done even if you don't have children. Um, now, Chain of Lakes, if you came here, you know, we don't have this fabulous, I mean, I shouldn't say this, you know, we don't have a huge number of youth and children, um, but it's it will grow. I am very confident about that. Um, so I think that, you know, if we can have a denominational focus on Matthew 25, why can't we have a denominational focus on serving our youth and children. Mm -hmm. um, and it makes so much sense to me. <laughs> uh, that's that it was my and it's still my passion. I still believe it. And again, no criticism of people in the wider denomination or organizations who are doing a lot of really good work. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think it's enough. I don't think we have enough of a focus. Do you think that there is, especially in denominations, kind of a well, it, it seems like you've even kind of kind of talked about this in a way that there isn't a good sense of resourcing congregations um oh. and helping them. Um and that there is a focus on on social justice. And I think that, that obviously as part of the heritage of a lot of mainline denominations, it's important, but it also feels like it's putting the cart before the horse. Yep. For sure. And, you know, I talked about this in my blog, you know, in terms of resourcing, I don't think congregations have been resourced well um, by our wider governing bodies. And I'm not talking about money, um, though money helps. But I think what I'm talking about is focused, focus, success stories, the willingness to talk about what's working, what's not working. Um, you know, the expectation that we're going to have be successful. You know, I expect I expect Tina Lakes to grow every year. <laughs> I mean, that's just what I expect. Um, so it's that sort of resourcing that I think congregations really need. So like Westminster, like my dad, who's I mean, my parents, they care deeply about this congregation. You know, they're both in their 80s. You know, say, well. You know, they would say, we don't have any kids. What are we going to do? Well, those are the questions that we have to address. What are you going to do if you don't have any kids? Are you just going to give up? I hope not. Um, I hope that there are things that we can do to help congregations grow in children and youth. And it's not about a number. I mean, that's always kind of the pushback. Um, no, numbers are about lives and about people and about people's faith life, and about their involvement in the community. So if Chain of Legs didn't exist, 
um, we couldn't have a ministry with with the homeless organizations that we do. So yeah. it means you can't separate, you know, social justice and congregational growth. They all go together. And you can't separate that from like youth and children's ministry. They're still together. And um, in terms of resources, I just think there has to be a much greater focus. That's where I always start is let's focus there. <laughs> I feel like I'm ranting, but. Um, no, you're not. Uh, but, nope. uh, but yeah, so I think I just think that. um we have to focus on youth and children. I'm very passionate about that. Um, so at Chain of Lakes, what we've done, um, so in the last year, we've spent the whole year working on this. And we had a staff person leave, and he was doing a good job. He was 15 hours a week. And I was like, you know, we could go back and try to hire somebody at 15 hours a week. But what happens to us is that person might want to, will probably want a full-time job. And we can't offer that right now. Uh, so we need to figure out how to sustain a staff person with youth and children. And not every congregation, it's not like you have to have a staff person. But for us, it's, I've always found that to be very helpful, <laughs> having the right staff. So we spent the whole summer um, at Channel Links. We had a task force and we looked at what worked. What's, we looked at our history with youth and children. We did a deep kind of analysis of ourselves um we're we're in an area where we should have a large number of youth and children come to chain of lakes uh that's just the reality uh and so we talked about that what would it look like um and we realized that and we talked to some other churches who have successful ministries and we came to realize that we need I mean, and everybody did buy in that we need to increase the staff person to 30 hours a week. Still not full time, but at least that could be the primary primary part of that person's work. Um, and we had somebody. So and it's a 20 it's twenty thousand dollars extra. Hmm. So it's a big it's it's not a, it's not insignificant financially for it's us. Big commitment and commitment um, and the and the leaders have to buy in. Um so, and I give our congregation a lot of credit. We spent a lot of time. We talked about it. We had this task force. Our session um, talked about it for two meetings. And they looked at the pros and the cons of, of doing nothing, of staying where we were, or going to 30 hours. And they unanimously agreed to do it. And that led us into our stewardship drive, which has been so far successful. And uh, we just hired somebody. It was a person actually who was already on our staff. Who's, and she's going to be terrific. Um, so, you know, and I, that's why I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to come across as arrogant at all or prideful, but I am confident that we will grow with those ministries. And it took, it took a, a year of focus for us to do that. Hmm. And, and we're going to continue to have to focus on that. Um, and I'm really excited to see what's going to happen. I mean, have you noticed that? Um, other churches that are growing, that that has been their focus? Because I. Oh, sure. I, yeah. Know. I mean, I think youth and children has to be a focus for mm -hmm. sure for growing churches. I don't think that it ha I think congregations can grow in a lot of different ways. And I don't think they, I don't think youth and children has to be the primary driver of that. But I do think that certainly it's important. Of, 
definitely is important. I mean, it is, it makes so much sense. Yeah. The reason I ask, cause I am even thinking about my, um, my husband is the music director at a Methodist um, congregation in the South Metro in Eakin. And they have really invested in um, children and youth. They have a, a deacon that um, does something, and then another person who isn't a deacon, but is pretty, has all the, the classes and everything. But they have, a, a, I think, a fairly strong children and youth ministry and and um, and a growing congregation, which, you know, again, for another mainline congregation, that's a rarity but they are doing fairly well um for their right. you know so that does seem to be a, a a a consistent theme right for that right and so to talk let me also in addition let me just share some more experiences from channel lakes so we we have really grown really are well it's not like we've, we haven't had rapid growth but we've grown we're growing i mean I mean, COVID, like all churches, really mm-hmm. hurt us a lot, but we're almost at our pre-COVID numbers. Um, and one piece that's really helped us is our support of the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. We've had a large number of people who've come to Chain of Lakes um, who have come not only as LGBTQ people and also as heterosexuals who support that issue and wouldn't go to a church that isn't supportive. Um, so a, a lot of people actually, um, and that actually, and I shouldn't say actually so much, but that's been really our prime driver of our number growth. And so in our community, there aren't a lot of churches who are supportive of LGBTQ. So um, we've, tried to kind of use that um opportunity i mean i wish all churches were but i can't control the churches (laughs) um so that's really been helpful to us so that has actually has nothing to do with youth and children Mm -hmm. um and that's where i think that you know and traditionally of course lgbtq support would be seen as a justice issue and that's where i think that these you can't separate evangelism from justice and Mm -hmm. grow Mm-hmm. We've had people who come to Chain of Lakes because of our partnerships with um, organizations who help homeless people who are homeless. And they just find that they love that about our congregation. Um, so I think I think what's important for congregations is to kind of identify what their people are passionate about. And will that fit the community? Well, and then can that fit the wider community in terms of growing? Mm-hmm. Hmm. So one of the things that I've also noticed every, um, and I haven't gone in several years, but every year you go down to the um, Leadership Institute that is put together by uh, Church of the Resurrection, right. um, which is a United Methodist Church in um, Kansas City. Um, and I think they are very much um, a model of, of a church that has grown and grown con- astoundingly in, in many yep. ways. Yeah, it's what, a very, it's a mega church. It's a mega, yeah. mega. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's even beyond mega at this point. So 
But what are the things that in, in those experiences and, and in, in kind of knowing about Church of Resurrection, what are things that can be learned uh, for, for congregations and how they can grow um, in a way that is not just about numbers, but it is really about trying to change lives? Yes, definitely. Now, totally. And the reason that we go to Church of the Resurrection every year is, one, it's just a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It is. <laughs> and I had decided, I've gone, I have to go back and count, probably 20 times. And I decided when I came to Channel Lakes that I, I wasn't going to go by myself, mm-hmm. that I was always going to bring a group. And I think they're a good model for a mainline church who's had a lot of success in a lot of different areas. I mean, they've grown and they've grown in their numbers. They've grown in discipleship and they're, they make a significant impact in the community. Um, and, and our folks like this year, I think we brought, I don't know, five or six people next year. I told our folks, I would love for us to rent a house. I mean, let's get 10 to 15 to go and just rent an Airbnb. We can all hang out there. Uh, and we always get ideas. There's always something that, that we bring back that's helpful. And I think it's helpful to just see places that have success mm-hmm. and then try to learn from that. We're not trying to become, <laughs> obviously, I mean, we're not trying to become Church of the Resurrection of Blaine, but we can adapt what works for them and put it through the filter of our community. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's, it, I encourage anybody to go. I, I mean, if if there was a Presbyterian congregation that was doing what they're doing, I'd go there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it's it's important to see mainline churches that are very successful because there, I think, is a real, our sense of, I think we've lost, uh, I mean, I'm speaking very generally, but I think we've lost a sense of confidence oh, yeah. in living on a purpose. So the article that you wrote and asking about the five years, and I said that it was getting some responses. What were the responses? And I got a, well, I actually didn't get a lot of emails or things, but a lot of people, it was a lot of people read my article or the blog that I wrote about my home church. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was very sensitive for me mm-hmm. uh, because there's just a lot of sadness there. Yeah. Uh, and it's a sadness of what we've lost, of what's been lost. And I'm not even part of the church. <laughs> I mean, but but my parents are, and like, and I shared earlier why it's so important to me. So I didn't get a lot of. That was the response. I get. just a lot of, you know, I had hundreds of people read that blog, uh, and I didn't receive a lot of emails or contacts from people, but I know a lot of people read it. Mm-hmm. So. One of the other questions that I have is, I mean, why is it so important um, to have growing mainline churches? And I, well, I think, the, go yeah. ahead, go ahead. Well, because I think the mainline church offers something that's very significant. Mm-hmm. So we offer this great opportunity to combine personal faith and social justice. I mean, mm-hmm. it's right here in the Presbyterian Church. We offer, we offer something where you know, lay people are significant leaders. They don't have to rely on their pastors, though pastors certainly have a very important role to play. So you have a combination of 
of um of of pastors and elders not old people but leaders working together to make an impact i mean we have a a great process a form of government not that you know it's rare that you know that's another whole blog you know we use our form of government as 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 our model and it's very significant but it it's it's healthy when it's work when it works well it's healthy and i think mm-hmm. um you know you're not going to have authoritarian pastors I mean, you can, but we have a system that's going to prevent them, hopefully, <laughs> from from causing damage, unlike other churches. Uh, so there's just, you know, and like I always say, if you go to a, a town anywhere in America of 10,000, anywhere in America, and there's a Presbyterian church, that Presbyterian church will be involved in the food shelf. Mm-hmm. I guarantee it. And that's significant. That's important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there's just a lot. There's there's a lot that's important with a mainline church. Uh, you know, we support women in leadership. Uh, you know, we're one of the few congregations in the Blaine area where a woman can be a pastor. I mean, a woman's not going to share the sermon at Eagle Brook. A woman's mm-hmm. not going to, which is a large mega church. A woman's not going to share a sermon at other churches. And we can. We support the LGBTQ community with passion and support. I mean, with passion and without apology. Uh, and, you know, you're not going to find that in other places. So there's something very special. And if if the PCUSA declines, and I mean, continues to decline, that's not going to be offered um, in our communities. And that is, you know, so, uh, you know, I'm still a passionate Presbyterian. I, I share often when people come, you know, cut me open, I bleed Presbyterian. Um, and because I'm on blood thinner, I bleed even faster. Uh, <laughs> um, so in, you know, we're not trying to make people Presbyterian. I, the, the, when we have new folks come, I always share that the, the metaphor that I use for a denomination is a car. We're riding in the Presbyterian car and we're not trying to make you Presbyterian, but we are going to share with you the parts of our car that are important and without apology. And that's and that's just what we do. So, you know, that's my kind of fairly quick spiel on why a Presbyterian slash mainline denomination is important for a community. Yeah, and I think I bring that up is because we talk a lot about decline and but we don't really understand i i sometimes wonder if we don't understand what we're losing or or what is it we want to conserve um right. i think that that's important um because right. if we don't have that then that voice is not there and and i think that that can have consequences significant consequences i cannot agree more yeah so if people would like to uh, get in contact with you, they're wanting to he- talk a little bit more about this. Um, where can they contact yeah, so th- you? Oh yeah. They can always contact me at pastor at coldpress.org. You know, channel lakes, coldpress.org is our website. Um, I'm, you know, it's, it's very easy to get in touch with me. You can always go to my Facebook page. Um, those are three possibilities and I will always respond. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to make, I'll always get back to people. And, uh, you know, I, I still, I'm, I'm still discerning and praying what my own role is in this. And I think there's something, I'm not sure what it is. And I just, I'm really sensitive because 
some of these questions people get defensive and you know there's mm -hmm. resistance and yep. um and i'm not trying to as i've said earlier poke the bear because i do this out of really deep care and appreciation for what people are doing and we have to be ruthless ruthlessly honest about what's happening mm -hmm. yeah and i think that that's been part of the problems that we haven't been honest um i think we all know what's happening but we're not we haven't made the effort to change those numbers mm -hmm. and i think it's hard i think it's very hard it's hard work it's very hard work um but i think god's leading the way and i think uh, you know uh congregations that or have that spiritual energy they it's it's just beautiful i think i think god i totally believe that god has something in store for i mean i just think about chain of lakes mm -hmm. i know that god has something in store for our congregation there's no doubt in my mind about that and and i would hope that we could get to that place where we believe the same for pcusa all right well, i think that that is a hopeful way hopeful note to end this conversation so Paul, thanks so much for chatting with me again. Oh, Dennis. Yeah. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you for your good work. Thank you for your, your podcast. And thank you for uh, in, inviting me to participate. Thank you. All right. Take care. Blessings. Thanks for taking the time to listen. As usual, there are links of interest related uh, to this episode with Paul. So please do check out the show notes. Um, also, I wanted to let you know about the other podcast that I do that's called Lectionary Q. This podcast focuses on um, usually on a text from the Revised Common Lectionary. And what I do is I have a reflection and then I ask some questions. The Q stands for questions. I started actually last fall and um, had it going for a while, but um, basically just stopped. I was just really too busy um, and I'm trying to get it started again. And so you can uh, find and subscribe to the podcast by going to uh, lectionaryq.substack.com. And if you didn't get that, don't worry. It's also in the show notes. So that's it for this episode of Church in Maine. As always, remember to rate and review this episode on your favorite podcast app so that others can find the podcast. And please consider sharing this podcast with people that you know. Um, also consider donating so that we can continue to produce more good episodes. I hope that there should be another episode or two coming um, before the year closes. So uh, do stay tuned. But for this episode, I'm Dennis Sanders, your host. Thank you so much again for listening. Take care, Godspeed, and I will see you very soon.